You know, it's somewhat funny. Oftentimes, people, their body language changes a little bit whenever the preacher gets up and he's getting ready to preach. Don't think that, as Pastor Craig said this morning, that you're taking up my time. Listen, I'm here, same as you, just to be used as a vessel of God that we might see God do something miraculous. I tell you, it's uncomfortable for me to stand up here and try to lead singing. I mean, that... like regardless of whether I'm supposed to be singing in G and we sing in G flat or what have you, uh, that I can just sing praises to God. You can ask Brandy, I sing around the house all the time and she's probably sick of hearing me, but to sing praises to God, I don't know that there's anything uh, more precious, uh, any sweeter words that could roll off of our lips that we could say other than the fact that we're saved than to just lift up God's name and give Him due glory because He is worthy. Because, uh, I mean, you just think about all the things that God has done for us. You think about every single time that God has come through when it looked like nobody was going to come through for you. Look at all the times that God was a friend to you when you had nobody to be your friend. Look at all the times. Hey, if you look back on our lives, you look back to when you were living in sin, there was nobody that could save you outside of Christ. And also there was nobody lies and say, well, if you go do this, you'll have people that'll love you. If you go do that, you'll have people that'll love you. I'll tell you right now, that's a lie straight out of the pits of hell. There's nobody who loves you any more than God. There's nobody who's done any more for you than God. Hey, the matter of fact is, is that God is the one who moved first. I didn't go searching for God, but God came down from the heights of heaven off of His throne to the cross of Calvary to come looking for me. Why He would do that, I have no idea. But I'll tell you what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that he'd bleed and die for me on a cross one day and that I might have a way to get to the Father. I'm just thankful this evening. That's right. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke in chapter 15. Very familiar passage of scripture. Uh, one of my favorite to read through. I love this passage of scripture. Love these parables that we read. I uh, preach from them. I don't know how many times. Uh, but it, isn't it amazing? You can see one thing in the word of God. And then you go back and you read the same passage of scripture. And then God begins to show you more. I'm not going to say he shows you something new. Because the word hasn't changed. But it's a living word. So he's going to show you more. It's going to begin to reveal to you in a different manner. But I'm thankful um, for the Bible. I'm thankful for what God has done this evening. Thankful for each one that's here this evening. Even before we begin reading, we're going to pray. and We're going to ask for God's help. Because I promise you that. You don't want to just hear me up here talking in and of myself. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this evening, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, Lord. We thank you for the songs that were sang, Lord. We hope that it was a sweet sound to your ears, Lord. We hope that it brought a sweet fragrance before your throne. God, we pray that you be with us. We pray that you help those sitting in the pews this evening, God. Lord, that they would be attentive, that their hearts would be ready for the word of God that you have for them this evening, God. Lord, I pray that you help me, God. Forgive me of my shortcomings, God. Lord, forgive me of my sin, Lord the things that I've willfully done, the things that I've done unknowingly. Lord, I ask that you forgive me. Get any bit of prayer. Want to stand in the way to hinder anything this evening, God? We want to thank you for all that you've done for us. We want to thank you for your Son who bled and died on the cross of Calvary for us, Lord. We love you and we appreciate you, God. I need your help in this moment, Lord. If you'd give me the words to say, focus my mind, guide my tongue, Lord, I can't do this without you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Luke chapter 15, we'll start reading in verse 11. The Bible says, and he said, this is Jesus getting ready to speak here, or continue speaking rather, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when, they, and when he had spent all there, arose a mighty famine in the land, that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he said, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet, Son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry." want to take a few moments with the help of God and preach out of this passage of scripture. I know we didn't read the whole account of the parables or the prodigal son here, but these are familiar to us. In this chapter, a lot of people refer to it as the lost chapter. I heard one preacher say that he doesn't like to refer to it that way. He likes to refer to it as the found chapter. Not only are things lost in this chapter, but things are found. This chapter speaks of God's compassion and God's love towards sinners and what happens in heaven when uh, a sinner comes and repents and gets right with God and is miraculously born again. That's a miracle that we can see. That's one of the best miracles I believe. It is the best miracle that we can see. Somebody brought from death unto life. Somebody that is pulled out of the depths of hell and brought into God's kingdom. That is miraculous. But this chapter 
It tells of a lost sheep. <coughs> Excuse me. It tells of a lost coin. It tells of a lost son. But oftentimes when we read this portion of it, starting in verse 11, all we want to do is focus on the prodigal. And I think it's important to focus on the prodigal. I'll be the first to tell you that the prodigal is a picture of a man lost and dying and going to hell. And then he begins to recall the goodness of the father and returns and goes home and gets right with his father. Hey, that's a wonderful picture. I'm not saying we shouldn't preach about the prodigal. But I believe oftentimes we forget who he goes home to. I believe oftentimes we forget the fact that there's a father in this. We might not read the word father that many times here, but understand something. Without the father, there is nobody to go home to. I want you to notice a few things, and I don't know that I've ever done this preaching a message. I want to give you all three points here, or all four points and then we're going to try to preach or we're going to allow God to help us to preach our way through these. You're going to notice a selfish exit. You're going to notice a sinful existence. You're going to notice a sweet embrace. But not only that, I believe we notice a sobering example. Yes, sir. The selfish exit. Understand what the younger son did here, Pastor Craig, is that he went to his father and he said, listen, I'm not real concerned about what happens to you, but I want you to go ahead and give me everything that's coming to me. Hey, I believe this son may have been born in the wrong time. He, might have, he, he probably should have been born in our generation because we are a right now generation. We like the microwave. We like the air fryer. We like to get things done right now. I've got to learn to slow down a little bit at work because I'm like that with work. I like to get things done right now and not everybody agrees with me. But understand something. He went to the father and said, I want what I want right now. And so the father says, okay, I'll divide the living and I'll give it to you. But this is a selfish exit. Hey, you understand something? Oftentimes we're like this younger son and we're only concerned about ourselves. We're not concerned about the rest of our family. We're not concerned about our parents. We're not concerned about anybody but me, 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 me. Hey, and when we get to the place where we're only concerned about me, 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 hey, I'll tell you what, we're never concerned with what God wants when we're like that. Oftentimes we're like this younger son. Notice what he does after he receives his inheritance. It doesn't take him but a few days. I believe it says it exactly that. And not many days or a few days. I believe we can say it the same way there. He gathers all together and he heads out. I don't know how you picture this, but I would say uh, according to what we read here, the father is awful wealthy, so I believe he's probably taking some servants with him. I believe he's probably taking some cattle. He's probably taking some donkeys, this, that, and the other, and he's got his big caravan put together, and he's ready to head out, and he's heading to a far country. Hey, I'll tell you what, we get in trouble when we begin to head towards the far country and the prodigal's exit. We see this division. We see a division of finances and we see a division of families. Understand, hey, he was only concerned about me and then you're going to begin to see the divisions. And we see a few days here have passed, a few days of gathering, and then I believe probably a few days of going. They didn't have your Chevrolets or what have you back in the day to get places quickly. Yeah, they had Fords or what have you. Um, it to, and it took them a little bit to get where they were going. But 
understand that we see a few days of gathering, but we see a few days of going. This selfish exit, if we're not careful, what we will do as Christians is we'll begin to walk out on parts of our life. Now, we won't leave God completely behind, Hey, but when it comes to certain things, we're going to say, God, I'm not getting in the boat with you on this. I want to run this part of my life, but you can have everything else. Hey, we read it time and time again. God is not looking to be king of part of your life. God is looking to be king of all of your life. God is looking to be king over everything. Not just a little part. Not just on Sundays and not just on Wednesdays. But God wants to be king of your life seven days a week. Understand that we oftentimes will do this. We walk out on God in certain parts of our life thinking we will be more satisfied somewhere else. You see the younger son, he leaves what is plentiful for the pleasurable. Young people, uh, our youth group, I want you all to know something. One of the reasons we named our group what we did is because I want you to get rooted in in what God is doing, what God is able to do in your lives so that you won't think that just anything coming and going is going to be better off for you than staying in God's will, staying in the house of God. Understand something. It may not be a better roses and oftentimes it's not. It is hard to serve God. Hey, but if you will stay in the Father's house, you will be much better off every single time, 10 out of 10. Hey, you know, percentages, fractions, however you want to look at it. Every single time, you'll be better off to stay with God. You know, we have a duty, we have a responsibility to stand firm in the faith that God may receive glory. I don't need to stand firm in the faith so that I can say, well, look at all the things that I've overcome. Look at all the things that I've done. No, we need to stand firm so that God might receive glory. I wonder in this selfish exit if one of the neighbors saw him and then he had to begin to explain where he was going and what all he was going with. Say, well, I told my dad that I was just kind of fed up with the way he was running the house and I was better off to go off and do it myself. How does it look to other people, to our neighbors, your physical neighbors, your spiritual neighbors? How does it look to our neighbors whenever we bail on God? Whenever we start packing up and saying, hey, God, you might do this and you might do that and you've been there for me every single time. I tell you, that's a good way not to bail on God. Begin recalling all the things that God has done for you. I believe it's hard to bail on God whenever you begin to recall everything that He's done. Start with your salvation. Then go to your family. Go to your church. This, that, or the other. I tell you, if you'd really sit down and begin to list all the things that God has done for you, you'll still be listening. You won't even have time to get up and leave God. There's a selfish exit that we notice here. You know, I believe that this younger son, he just wanted to be somebody. That's what the world tells us today. Be somebody. You've got to be somebody important. You've got to be somebody with some status. You've got to be somebody with some gusto or something like that. I tell you, the world is chucking that at our kids all the time. Be somebody. Do this. Have some money. Have some status. Have some power. I tell you what, in, even in this selfish exit, this younger son trying to be somebody, he was still somebody in the Father's eyes. He never quit being somebody in the Father's eyes. I can list name after name of these people who were historical. George Washington, I hope you all know he was our first president. I, I say Abraham Lincoln, he was our 16th president, so on and so on. Winston Churchill, he was the prime minister of Britain. And I can list all these different names of people you probably know because of their importance. Importance. 
here though. But what if I begin to list some prayer warriors that prayed for some people that you have no idea even exist? Are you going to know their names? And that's all right. I promise you, true prayer warriors are not going to do it so that you might know their name someday. They're going to do it because that's what God has called them to do. Your name may have no, it may never be up in lights in this world. You may have no status, no gusto, nothing like that. You might not have any of it. Hey, but you can be somebody in the sight of God. Hey, from the Father's perspective, you can be somebody. There's a selfish exit. There's a sinful existence. If you read on down through the passage of Scripture here, and it says, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in, the land, in that land and he began to be in want. This sinful existence, Pastor Craig has said it, I don't know, probably until he's blue in the face. Hey, sin is always going to hurt you. Now he doesn't say it exactly like that, but he has said it time and time again. Hey, when lust cometh forth, it bringeth forth sin and sin will bring forth death every single time. Hey, there's no way around it. There's a sinful existence here. Hey, when you begin to think that you're going to pack up and leave God and head out to the far country, understand what's coming for you. Hey, you will be punished for your sin. I'm not going to try to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to try to tell you that if you just go out and fit in with everybody, that's going to make things all right. It's not. There's a sinful existence out there. See, all Satan wants you to look at is the temporary. He just wants you to look, oh, well, I've got everything from my father and I'm able to go live high on the hog. Well, I'll tell you what, it's not living high on the hog when you're feeding the hogs. Hey, you're not going to be living high on the hog when you're sitting there eating with them. I can't imagine. I don't know if y'all have ever fed pigs. I'd say some of you have. Uh, most of you young ones probably haven't. But if you see what it's in that bucket that you take out there to go slop the pigs with, I tell you, I don't think I'd want to partake of any of that. But guess what we do? We do that spiritually so often. We know that the Father has better, but we'd rather go to the far country and end up eating with the pigs. I don't know if you're beginning to understand just a little bit, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I, to be honest with you, all I can tell you is that's our sin nature. We want to be God so bad. We'll do anything and everything to try to get there. We'll say, God, well, I'm not going to let you control this part of my life. God, you know, I'm really not okay with you doing this, so I'm just going to do it my way. But I'll come get you whenever everything begins to blow up in my face and I need somebody to bail me out. You see, we try to be God so much of the time. If we would just get out of the way and let God be God, we'd be so much better off. There's a sinful existence. I've already said that Satan wants us to look at the short term, but never the long term. You see, this son, this younger son was doomed ever before he ever left his father's house because he had already got in his mind that it was better off elsewhere. You see, in his existence, you see that there's a famine, both spiritual and physical. He has nobody to guide him when he's in the far country. And he has nothing to eat when he's in the far country. You see, he had all kinds of friends as long as he had a little bit of money or whatever. Hey, but as soon as his money dried up, his friends dried up too. Hey, and I'll tell you what, that's true today. Hey, you think that you're going to have friends just because you got a little bit of stuff? Hey, whenever the stuff goes away, your friends are departing with it. 
You see, he's, there's a feeding of the swine and of self here. You see, he, he began feeding himself, feeding his ego. It was all about him, but he ends up feeding the swine. But the thing about the sinful existence that I like out of this passage of Scripture, and unfortunately this is not true for everybody. Don't think that you can go and live in sin and then just pull the plug whenever you're ready to be done. It doesn't work that way. Sin will always take you farther than you intended to go. It will cost you more than you wanted to pay and it will keep you longer than what you wanted to stay. Hey, but in this passage of Scripture, what we see is that the Father is recalled. The Bible says, and when he had come to himself, I'm thankful that there was a moment that this prodigal came to himself and he begins to say, well, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to leave where I'm at and I'm going to go to my father's house and I'm going to tell him some things. He says, I want to say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. I don't know how long the trip took. I don't know if he was a couple miles down the road, but I do believe this. I believe that he probably practiced that exact saying the whole way home. Uh, you can't ask me to back that up with anything. That's Dakota 1 and 1 or Smith 1 and 1. Um, I think I talked to Michael about that. I think he agreed with me. So we'll say it's Smith 1 and 1. But I believe he practiced that. I want to tell my father, I've sinned against you and in your sight and against heaven and uh, before you. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he went a little farther and he practiced it again. And he practiced it again. You know what he was doing? He was making sure he knew exactly what to say to the Father. He was already, when he turned himself back towards the Father, he was already repenting. But notice here the sweet embrace. You know if you read this and if you read it carefully as we should always read our Bibles, I know sometimes we'll sit down to read our Bibles and the next thing we know we're reading it like a novel and we're just trying to get through our daily reading or whatever. I guess I might be the only one. But there's a sweet embrace. The, the prodigal doesn't even get to say everything that he had practiced. He doesn't get to get it all out before the father steps in and he says, it says, but the father said to his servants. The father just cut him off. He said, you said that you're sorry, you've repented, that's good. I don't need you to be one of my hired servants. He said, I want you to be my son and that's what God is saying to all of us today. God is saying, I don't need any more servants. He said, I want you to be my son and even though um, we are to serve God, we are to um, do our uh, responsibility, work in our ministry and all these things, but how great is it to know that there is a place that you can go to find a welcoming father waiting for you. Amen. This sweet embrace. I don't know that you could have a better coming home party than this. The father runs out to meet him. I don't know how old his dad is. It might have took him a little bit, but he saw him afar off. But that probably tells, reading that, it tells me that the father continually looks for his son. 
It told me that he was waiting for his return. But he runs out there and he hugs him on the neck and he kisses him and he tells his servants, he says, go get this boy some clothes, get him some shoes, put that ring back on his finger and go get the best calf that I've got, kill it. We're having T-bone steak and what have you, beef wellington, this, that, and the other. And we're just gonna have a time because this is my son that I thought was dead. This is my son that had left, but now he's returned. Hey, a sweet embrace. A sweet embrace. (coughs) Excuse me. You know what's more amazing than this? What we read? We didn't just bail on God and spend some money and lose our inheritance. We were direct enemies with God. I don't read anywhere in this passage of Scripture that the prodigal tries to wage war against his father. But that's what we were doing. We were waging war against God. But still yet, God is waiting to have that sweet embrace with us. God is waiting for us. God is looking. God has made a way. He has done everything possible. If you could pave the road to Calvary, God has paved the road. He's pulled the ditches on it. He's done everything that there is to do. There's nothing that is, there's no roadblocks. There's no detours. It's a straight shot to Calvary. And God has done everything to get us there. But we've got to decide. We've got to do like this product did and we've got to come to ourselves. We have to realize that the life that we're living is a sinful existence. We have to realize that we are not um, fit to be in charge of our lives. And you think that might sound crazy. Man, this thing's going off and I guess it means to hurry up. But you may think that that sounds crazy that we shouldn't be in charge of our own lives. But I'll tell you this. God has purchased us with a price, with the blood of Christ. He's purchased us, not just with some silver or gold, but He's purchased us with the blood of Christ. He has redeemed us. He has done more for us than anybody else. I think it's quite all right that God make the decision in our lives. I'll be honest with you, I'm not always comfortable with the decisions that God makes. But you know, I've got to come to the place that I accept the decisions that He makes. This sobering example. I don't know if this prodigal reminded you of yourself maybe when you were out in sin. Maybe this prodigal reminded you of yourself now as you're sitting here. I'm not saying necessarily that you're lost, but there may be. There may be parts of your life that you've tried to exit on God with. Say, God, it's just not that important to me anymore. You say, God, I know better. This is going to be better for me. It's going to be better in the long term. I can promise you if it's not God's plan for you, it's not going to be better for you. Maybe you are in the place where you realize that you are in a sinful existence. You know, as this parable was being told and Several years after, when these parables were just retold in large gatherings, this is how the Bible spread a lot of the times in uh, the early church age. People didn't have it to sit down and look at like we do. We have an opportunity with the full canon of scriptures to take it and apply it to our lives. You say, preacher, I'm not out in this terrible sin. You may not be. I'm not saying that you are. 
But I'm just trying to tell you that if there's any part of your life that you've not given completely to God, you've tried to selfishly exit on Him somewhere along the line. But you have the opportunity to have that sweet embrace with the Father that the prodigal experiences here. I mean, he comes home. I don't know if they, if his father had um, trumpeters and all this stuff. And I mean, I, I don't know where he met him at in town, how far off he saw him, if it was at the horizon. But I would imagine if it was a good distance off, he probably sent back to get something so that his son could ride back on so that he didn't have to walk anymore. I'm telling you, the father, he... He did not care how much it cost. He did not care what it was going to do to what he already had. He was just wanting to get his son home. And I tell you, it's the same thing with God. God is just trying to get back what was truly his. Hey, and if you don't know God as your personal Savior, you have an opportunity right now before we come and get a song, before we begin to play or sing the first verse, you've got an opportunity right now to come and experience that sweet embrace of the Father. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to remind